Great is the Lord. He is holy and just. By His power we trust and His love. Amen. What a great song. Way to start our service today with that, that beautiful song. I just love it. It's one of my favorites. That's a Michael W. Smith. Uh, I don't remember when he performed that or when he did that a long time ago, but it was, it's been one of my favorites since then. You know, I, I just love it. You know, all of us are probably familiar with America's favorite five-year-old. At least I think he stays five-year-old the whole way throughout his, the, the comic strip. Dennis the Menace. How many of you ever used to watch Dennis the Menace? The, the, I, I watched, you know, I don't see it on um, TV land at all anymore. I don't know if it is one there or not, but... Um, but you can learn a lot about yourself from watching kids. And Dennis the Menace was no exception. There was one particular day that Dennis found, he was, he was looking at the new department store catalog. You remember the Sears and Roebuck catalog that used to come out? Man, us kids, we would get that catalog and we would have the pages just about worn out looking at all the toys that were in there. But, he was, he was looking at the new department store catalog that had just arrived at the Mitchell house. And Dennis looks up from the catalog at his mom and his dad and he says this. He says, wow, this catalog has lots of toys and things that I never knew I wanted. <laughs> and boy, we were the same way, you know, all these toys and, you know, some of the things that you never even heard of because, you know, I, we could get like three channels on TV, so we weren't inundated with commercials all the time about things. And by the way, I was the clicker. Anybody else here the clicker? My dad, my dad would say, "Turn the channel," and you got up and you turned the channel. You know what I'm saying? I was the clicker. <laughs> but anyway, you know there was this there was this pastor who um, arrived at this local ministerial meeting one day and. The other pastor of the church there was, was, um, that they were going to go meet at. He was out front and he was changing the message on the, the church sign. And the sign read, God saved the best for last. You shall not covet. The first pastor said to the other pastor that was changing the sign, he says, boy, I sure wish we had a message board like that at our church. <laughs> you might get that one as you're driving home. <laughs> I think that's that's pretty funny, but you know, if having more makes us happy, we would never need the tenth commandment. You know that you shall not covet. It is written especially for unhappy people who think that happiness is found in more things. You know, maybe you've heard the story about the king who fell into a really serious depression. Nothing could lift his spirits at all. I mean, he was in such a depression. His servants tried everything. They tried the music, the dancing, the the chord gestures, you know, lavish banquets, beautiful flowers, but it just seemed like nothing could help him. Finally, an old and wise man came to the king with an unusual piece of advice, and this is what he said. He said, oh, king, If you can obtain the shirt off of the back of a truly happy man, I believe you yourself would be happy. And so upon hearing these words, 
what the king ordered was for his army to search the four corners of the earth and bring back the shirt of a truly happy man. Weeks passed, months passed. Finally, his soldiers returned. They said, O king, after many days of searching, we found, we found a truly happy man. But your majesty, the man was not wearing a shirt. Tell me if you, I don't know who wrote this statement, but you tell me, you know, if, if this is true or not. I, I think it is. It says, jealousy sees things always with magnifying glasses, which make little things large. And I like what David Brant Berg said, and I, I love this statement. He says, the more of heaven we cherish, the less of earth we covet. That's a good statement right there. That's a really good statement. Well, I am so glad to see each one of you here this morning. Trust me, I am. I'm really glad to see it. It's great to see such wonderful folks as yourself in the house of the Lord. And you're all wide awake. You're all wide awake. Woo! That's good. Which is a, that's a plus. Not like last week when we could hardly get some of you up after the sermon. Come on, guys, you know. I heard about a mom who was talking to her kids in the car on the way to church and she reminded them that they needed to be quiet during the sermon time after worship. And then she prompted them asking, kids, why is it necessary for us to be quiet in church? And her little five-year-old daughter, with the wisdom that she had, answered, because some people are sleeping. (laughs) Well, awake or asleep, at least no one was snoring. (laughs) I had that happen one time. And we're glad that you're here, and we hope that you always feel welcomed here. You know, a few weeks ago, we started this series in James called Living Out Your Faith in Real Time. And it's about real faith for real life in real time. And if you remember, in chapter 1, James talks about real faith that helps us carry our burdens, it helps us to overcome our battles, And it helps us to apply the Word of God, our Bibles, to our lives. And then in chapter 2, James goes about defining real faith for real life and real time as he identifies three types of faith. Remember those three types of faith? There was dead faith, demonic faith, and dynamic faith. Remember those three? And then in chapter 3, which was last week, James talks about how real faith ought to affect the way we talk. Remember that? You know, the things that we say, our words, they have the power to direct us like a, like a tongue does, like a, like a rudder does for a, a ship or the, the, the reins on a horse do for a horse. It has the power to direct us. It has the power to destroy us and it has the power to delight. So we need to be careful as Christians about what comes out of our mouths. And so as we move on into chapter 4, and I'm kind of picking these different subjects here, but in chapter 4, I want to remind you, as I did in the first sermon, if you remember in the very first sermon we talked about from this series, we talked about who James was. Remember that? Remember who he was? 
He was Jesus' little brother. And so think about the dynamics of growing up in the shadows of, or the shadow of Jesus. You know, that would be, that would be really tough. You know, how much pressure would that have been? You know, and as a, as a little brother, how many of you have little brothers? Yeah, I had a bunch of them. You know, we have little brothers and you know how little brothers are. They want to follow you everywhere you go. You know, they want to try everything that you do. And so James, you know, he was probably wanting to follow Jesus everywhere he went. He was wanting to try everything that Jesus did. And that's probably why James almost drowned. You guys completely missed that one. Because James couldn't walk on water. Jesus could. (laughs) But anyway, I don't know about all of you, but... I know that James was probably very familiar with Jesus and what Jesus stood for. And I think that James probably was, probably understood Jesus' concept on many things that he taught. And I think that James was there when he probably taught on, on the subjects of jealousy, on the subjects of covetousness, because James writes about these things in chapter four. And so if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow up on the screen here, Let's look at, I'm going to begin with what James shared from chapter 4, verses 1 through 3. And I'm going to read it from the monitor here, so I'm right on with you guys. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? Notice what he says there. You desire, but you do not have. So you kill, you covet, but but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and you fight. You quarrel and you fight. You know, fights among yourselves. You quarrel and you fight among yourselves. Is what he continues to say there. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask from wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Wow. Pretty pretty powerful passage there i would say these these opening verses i believe are all about the reality of covetedness you know covetedness as dave ramsey calls it have you ever heard him say this word stuff itis by dave ramsey i love i love that i think that's a great but he calls it stuff itis um, and, and god thought it was serious enough to make thou shalt not covet as one of the Ten Commandments. So I think it's it's pretty up there. You know, it's this persistent desire for more stuff, better stuff, bigger stuff, prettier stuff, and other people's stuff. And this covetedness sets in at a very early age, doesn't it? Very early age. Think about it from a child's point of view. Say you have a child who's earned a sucker or a, or a piece of candy for memorizing a verse at junior church, and you tell them when you get in the car, you better eat that before you get home because you know, you know what's going to happen as soon as we walk through those doors because your little sister didn't get to go to church this morning and she didn't get one of the suckers and she's going to want one of those and she's going to cry and scream because she didn't get one and she wants one. 
this elementary school teacher was on recess duty and she was lecturing her class on the dangers of not bundling up properly when you're going out to play in the cold weather. And she told this dramatic story about this naughty little boy who disobeyed his mother, went out sledding one afternoon without mittens and a hat and snowsuit on. And because of it, he caught pneumonia and he ended up dying from that. And so when she finished her story, this one little boy raised his hand. Mrs. Johnson, may I ask two questions? Go ahead, Tommy. The teacher replied. This is what Tommy said. He said, number one, who has his sled? And number two, could I have it? (laughs) Who has it and could I have it? We learn at a very early age, don't we? You know, the bad part about this story is that some of us don't grow out of this. We really don't. You know, we, we see someone with something cool and we have to have it. Did you know that there are people, and this is true, there are people out there who watch the obituaries and try to take advantage of people and their stuff from the deceased loved one that 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 person's lost. They try to steal or take advantage of a very sad occasion. That's taking covetousness to the extreme. But there are people out there who do that. I don't know if you know that or not. But Americans are drowning in debt because we covet things that we can't afford. Consumers have racked up more than $2.2 trillion in purchases and cash advances on major credit cards over the past year. And it's, it's become a habit for them to spend more than they have. We don't have to go very far to see that happening. How many trillions of dollars is our government in debt? 30, 31, 32 trillion. And, and it, it, it's become a habit for them to spend more than they have. You know, to compound the problem, fewer people are paying their credit card bills on time. The percentage of people delinquent on their credit cards is the highest that it's been in years. Now, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said from Luke chapter 15, or Luke chapter 12, verse 15, he says this, he says, he says, and he said to them, take care and be on guard against all covetedness. He says, for one's life does not consist in the abundance, in the abundance of his possessions. That's the, the, the priority that Jesus puts on it. Wow. Life is not all about stuff. And that's what James is trying to tell us. That life is not all about stuff. These were Christian people who were, who were right, that he's writing to. And yet they, they had been swallowed up by greed, it seems like. Jealousy. They've been swallowed up by covetedness. This is real life stuff that we're talking about here with real Christian people who are wrestling with it. But real faith means learning to be content in every situation, learning to be content in every circumstance. If you see yourself coming down with a case of the stuff-itis, 
as Dave Ramsey says. You, you need to do something about it quickly because when you don't, the results will be conflict among Christians. It creates conflict among brothers and sisters in Christ. And the Apostle Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 13, he says, he says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renew your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. That's what he tells us. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I like the saying, when I was preacher at Bloomsburg, my children attended the Christian school there, um, up at Columbia County Christian School. And it was during a Christmas sermon, they asked me to come and speak in their chapel, and I did. And I, I spoke on this passage of Philippians there. And I wanted them to understand that we need to be content. And I I came up with this phrase, be content with what God sent. Be content with what God sent. That's what it's all about. For you see, if we don't, the result becomes conflict. That's the second point here. The result is conflict. Listen to this really carefully, guys. And I didn't have Christy put this up here. I should have had you put this up here, and I didn't. But I want because this to me is is so important. Things were made to be used. People were made to be loved. Think about that. That's really important. Things were made to be used. People were made to be loved. And sometimes we get those two things backwards. Do you agree with that? I think we do. And when we do, what it does, it results in conflict and contentiousness. You know, take another look at James chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 there. This is from the New Century Version. I want to read this. It says, do you know where your fights and arguments come from? Do you know where they come from? They come from the selfish desires that war within you. You want things and you do not have them. So you are ready to kill and are jealous of other people. But you still cannot get what you want. So you argue and you fight. When we don't get what we want, we argue and fight. And sadly, this happens in churches all the time, doesn't it? You know, you've been a part of that probably in in, in past times. James may as well have written this just yesterday because it's still happening all the time. Jealousy, covetedness, and selfishness lead to all sorts of fights and arguments. You know, churches argue over the style of the music, the volume of the music, they, or whether we should have communion up front or if we have it in the back or we have it on the sides. They argue about that. They argue about how we should spend our money. They argue about the color of the carpet or the color of the drapes or the color of the, the chairs or, or if we should have chairs or pews or whatever. They argue about everything. Whew! They do. 
And we feel slighted, we feel hurt, we feel unappreciated in, in some way, so we, we start to feud with God's family. And nearly every church split, nearly every church split comes down to someone not getting what they wanted. There was a young preacher who was going through something pretty similar to this. He said, we had several young families with kids around the same age join our church right at about the same time, he said. One of those young families was having a birthday party for their daughter, and so they invited some of the kids from church to come. This young minister's wife happened to mention this party to another mom at church. only to discover that her children had not been invited. Not normally is it a big deal to most people, but it was a big deal to her. She felt insulted. She felt left out. And nothing anybody said to the contrary would change her mind about that. She was pretty upset. So she made sure that everybody knew how she felt and why she felt that way. And then she stopped coming to church. The minister went on to say this. He said, the really sad thing about this whole situation is her kids were significantly older than this this girl that was having the birthday party, and her kids really didn't want to go to that birthday party. But the bad part is, he said, and now they've learned that when you don't get what you want, even at church, you can throw a big stink about it and take your ball and go home. When Christians fight amongst themselves, guess who wins? Nobody! Nobody wins! Satan wins, I should say. The African proverb says this, when elephants fight, the grass always loses. You know, for see the, the average African elephant weighs about 16,000 pounds. And when they throw their weight around, there is a lot of collateral damage done. Building a loving church family is hard enough without oversized egos being thrown around like weight being thrown around. The apostle Paul says to us in, in, in Romans chapter 12 verse 18, he says, if it is possible as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. But you know, this sort of covetedness and materialistic spirit doesn't just damage our relationship with other people. It also damages our relationship with God. James goes on to say there in James chapter 4, verse 4, from the New Living Translation, he says, You adulterous people. Don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity or hatred towards God? You adulterers, don't you realize that your friendship with the world makes you an enemy? Makes you an enemy to God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend with the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Wow. Hmm. So... Not only does this self-centered lifestyle make enemies in the church, but it also causes conflict with God. And James says that as a result, 
what it does is it hinders our prayers. Notice what he says there. Back, Go back to verse 3 there of James chapter 4. He says, even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what you give, what you want only what will give you pleasure. He says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives. You want it for your pleasures. So for our sake and for the sake of the church, we need to find a solution to our covetedness and our conflicts that rise from within. And thankfully, James provides one for us. He provides a solution. The, 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 the resolution for this is closeness, drawing close. You know, James wants these warring Christians to resolve to humble themselves and to draw close to God. And here's what he says in James chapter 4, verses 5 through 10. He says, Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he, that he jealously longs for the spirit he caused to dwell in us? But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says God opposed the proud, but he shows favor to the humble. He says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God. And he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves, he says. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Real faith for real life in real time is about seeking God, not stuff. It's about getting, it's, it's not about getting my way or what I want. It's about what Jesus says. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 verse 33? That was part of the Sermon on the Mount. He states this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then maybe all these things will be added to you, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And we do that best when we humble ourselves. For you see, life is not all about me. And guess what? Life is not all about you either. You know, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your own peace of mind, or even your own happiness. It's far greater than your family. It's far greater than your career. It's far greater than your dreams or your ambitions. You were created by God and for God. That's what it's all about. And so the cure for covetedness and conflict is humility before God. It's, 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 it's falling to our knees before him and, and, and drawing closer to him. This guy, his name is Paul Steen. He says this. He says, when I was in sixth grade... I went to the Corona Elementary School in Bell. Our school had a cafeteria, but my mom couldn't afford to have us buy lunch, so I brought my lunch from home and ate it every day. Every day I carried the same meal in a brown paper lunch bag, a bologna sandwich on white bread, a small bag of potato chips, and a thermos bottle of soup. Now, 
I like that meal. <laughs> the only thing that I would add to that bologna sandwich is make sure there's cheese on it. <laughs> but I like the meal. Randy Shell sat right next to me. He never bought a lunchbox at school, ever, not even once. At noon each day, he got to go to the school cafeteria and eat the best food a little boy could ever imagine. I never got to eat at, at a restaurant or a cafeteria, but Randy ate there every single day. And tell, I want to tell you right now, knowing the lunches that I had at my cafeteria, the boy wasn't missing much. He said each lunch period, I, I looked at his meal. I watched his, he says, I watched in agony as Randy opened his mouth wide and spooned in the fresh, hot food. I listened to him smack each bite while I forced a bologna sandwich down my throat. Paul said, Paul said, I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, you shall not covet. I would not have known about coveting if it weren't for Randy's cafeteria meal. He went on to say, this This Paul um, Sheen said, he went on to say, I, I memorized the Ten Commandments in grade school. I could say the Tenth Commandment by heart. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You shall not covered his his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or or anything else that belongs to your neighbor and he said that was from exodus chapter 20 verse 17 with with my head he said i learned not to covet but with my heart i learned how to covet i know that cafeterias were weren't meant they weren't mentioned in the off-limits stuff of the 10th in the, on the 10th commandment but I didn't covet my, my neighbor's house or his wife or his servants or his ox or his donkey. But the last phrase of that, that verse did me in because it says, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Yep, that includes cafeteria food. <laughs> I coveted and I was jealous and I had to repent. And in humility, I needed to humble myself before the Lord. And I needed to draw closer to Him. And just appreciate what my mom and my dad were doing for me. Well, I want to tell you. The Bible says in James chapter 4 verse 6 there. It says, but He gives more grace. He gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. And he's quoting that from, from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 there. And you can read that. Pride makes us self-centered and it leads us to think that we deserve everything that we see, touch, or imagine. We can, we can release ourselves from self-centeredness by humbling ourselves before God and realizing that all we really need is His approval. Our worth doesn't come from stuff. It only comes from God. God alone. I am not the center of the universe. Jesus is. And guess what? You are not the center of the universe. Jesus is. And when we recognize that, what it will do is it will give us a whole new perspective. 
This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, New Living Translation, I'm saying there. He says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Brennan Manning, I don't know if you've ever read any books from Brennan Manning, but he's really good. Brennan Manning said this, he put it this way. He said, once you come to know the love of Jesus Christ, nothing, nothing else in the world will seem as beautiful or desirable as that. Nothing. So our goal then should be to humbly draw close to God. And James promises that when we do, God will also draw close to us. He wants to. His desire is to draw close to us. That's what he wants for us. When all of us start gravitating closer and closer to God, then we won't be jealous or covetous of other people's stuff. We won't. Disagreements are still going to arise because we're human. But they don't have to turn into major, major conflicts. Rather, we can lovingly lift one another up and trust God as he lifts us up. You know, I believe it was C.S. Lewis who said this. He said, a man who has God and nothing else, has God and nothing else, has no, it has no less than a man who has God and everything else. That is so true. Is your desire to want or is it to be content with what God has sent? Let me read this and we'll close. It was spring, but it was summer that I wanted. The warm days, the great outdoors. It was summer, but it was fall that I wanted. The colorful leaves, the cool, dry air. It was fall, but it was winter that I wanted. The beautiful snow and the, and the joy of the holiday season. It was winter, but it was spring that I wanted. The warmth and the blossoming of nature. I was a child, but it was adulthood that I wanted. The freedom, the respect. I was 20, but it was 30 that I wanted. To be mature and sophisticated. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was middle-aged, but it was 20 that I wanted. <laughs> Youth and, and, and the free spirit. I was retired, but it was middle-aged that I wanted. The presence of mind without limitations. My life was over, and I never got what I wanted. Try Jesus, my friend and you will not regret it. I don't know if James ever coveted Jesus' ability to walk on water or his ability to, or his power to turn water into wine or into Pepsi. I wish, I wish Jesus was with me all the time. So, hey, hey Lord, can I, can you, here's some water there. Make me a Pepsi. <laughs> you know, I don't know if he, I don't know if he 
struggle with any of those things when they were growing up. But I do know this, that as a believer, James recognized the reality of covetedness and how it often results in destructive conflicts, fights, and arguments. And James believed that real faith for real life and real time should motivate us to humble ourselves and forget about this stuffitis and draw close to God because he's who really counts, God and God alone. And folks, today as we close our time here, I don't know if you've been struggling with coveting or conflicts in your relationships, but if you'd like some help drawing close to God, that's what the church is for. That's why we're here. And if there is any area of your life that you need help or prayer with, you know, please don't hesitate to come and talk to me or one of our elders or even come this morning so that we can pray for you or pray with you. This morning as every Lord's Day, we offer that invitation because I don't know where you're at in your heart. Come and, and, and give your life to the Lord in the watery graves of baptism. The baptism's here. It'll be a little cold, but we can, we can still baptize you. Or you could rededicate your life to the Lord. And you know, you can do that every day. You can rededicate your life every day to the Lord. You can place your membership with us if that's what you need to do. Or you can have us pray with you. The question is, will you come?